so am I. Well, I've got a word for you tonight called forever. Forever. I just started meditating on a lot of different things in the word of God and where Jesus said forever. We know that in this world, we have heard the saying, nothing lasts forever. Have you ever heard that? Nothing lasts forever. And we know that's true. When it comes to maybe a car, you bought this car that you love and after 10, 20 years, shucks, you got to get a new car. Nothing lasts forever. Or maybe a house. Wouldn't it be great if you moved in this house and it was just decorated the way that you liked it and it was so perfect and you never had to do any repairs. But if you wanted to look that way, constant upkeep, right? It doesn't stay the same forever. And then there's one. Did you know that clothes don't last forever? I don't care how much money you spend for them. They do not last forever. I know pastor wishes that were true. He used his faith. I'm sure thinking, wow, why do you have to keep buying clothes? Because they don't last forever and styles change, right? Everything in this world is temporary. It's fleeting. It's fading away. Even our earth suit, our physical bodies are not going to last forever. If you weren't here this morning, you need to listen to pastor's message. It was an excellent teaching on health and healing. And we know that we are the healed and by the stripes of Jesus that we can walk in health. And we are the custodians of our temple, our body. And we believe we're going to live long and finish strong. But even if you live to be 120, that's not forever. That's temporary. So even our earth suit is not going to last forever. It's changing. Things are going on in our body that we may not be so happy with. But I got good news for you. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 says this. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So we don't have to lose heart and we don't have to get discouraged when we look in the mirror. Ah! What happened? I don't, I don't look like I looked 50 years ago. I don't look like what I looked maybe yesterday. There's a new wrinkle. There's a new this. There's a new that. Don't lose heart. It's just reality. This natural body is decaying. It's getting older. But thank God our inward man isn't. And there's some people, they say, well, I'm going to grow old gracefully. And I believe that we can do that. We can be strong even till we draw our last breath. We don't have to put up with sickness and disease and weakness. But it's kind of a, a it's kind of hysterical to me, actually. We live in California. You know that? And you can look on TV and look in magazines and you're like, seriously, you're 80 years old. Stop the facelifts already. Some people have had so many facelifts, their eyebrows are now at their hairline. And you're like, come on, we know how old you are, really. It's a reality. Our outward man is perishing. Stop the nicking and tucking and the lifting and sucking and just use your faith. To be your very best as long as you're here on this life. But if you are 85, don't try to look 25. It ain't going to work. All right? We know that. Anyhow. But (laughs) 
So I'm not going to give you a lesson in our physical body. We have to take care of this temple. But he said, don't lose hope. Your outward man is perishing. But the inward man, the inward man, that's who we center in on. The inward man is forever. We are eternal beings created in the likeness and image of our Father God who has no end, who has no beginning. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is forever and ever. And that's how he created us to be. We are eternal beings. And even though our earth suit is perishing and should Jesus tarry, we're all going to go the way of the grave. But our spirit man is alive forever. And when you're born again, that's awesome thought that forever we're going to spend eternity in the presence of God. Too often people get caught up in spending their entire life on temporary things, taking care of this and taking care of that and acquiring this and buying that. All this stuff that is fading away and neglect their spirit man. We need to give attention to the st- things of the spirit. I heard someone say this and I thought it was awesome. When God speaks things into your spirit, the things of the spirit have no expiration date. Just like our spirit being is eternal, what God puts in your spirit, it doesn't expire. It never becomes obsolete. It never has an end. If he has given you a promise, you hold fast to it. It shall come to pass. Another thing that is good news, the things of the spirit have no expiration date. But tests and trials and attacks of the enemy do have an expiration date. They won't last forever. They're temporary. They're subject to change. They must bow their knee and they must change to our unchanging God and to his word. Amen. This earth is temporary. All the things that are going on with the atmosphere, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the earthquakes, all of those are a sign of the times that this earth that we live on is not going to last forever. But it's going to last as long as we're here. It's going to last as long as it needs to last. It's not going to run out of water. We're not going to run out of water. We're not going to run out of fuel. God is a God that created the earth And he created it to last as long as his people, as long as his creation were here. There are no oopses in heaven. We're not going to look down and go, oops, I knew I should have put more lakes in Minnesota. Oops, you know, I should have made more rivers. They're going to run out of water. No, this earth has an expiration date, but it's not going to expire until we're caught away. Hallelujah. Till God is finished with it. So we don't have to be in fear about all these tornadoes and all these storms and all this stuff that's happened. It is a sign of the times. The earth is rocking and reeling. But for us, the child of God, we have some forever promises. 
We don't have to be moved by that. We don't have to get in fear. We can build an ark of safety for our family with our faith and with our words of life. We shouldn't be speaking words of fear and words of death. Those things produce things we don't want. We're going to speak faith-filled words. Amen. The word of God is forever. So I want to look tonight at some things that God promises us that are forever. The word forever, it simply means always endless and for eternity. That was in Webster's for eternity. That is a definition of forever. What do you think? There are some things that what things in the word do you think have to do with forever? Well, one is Jesus. Jesus, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. This is about him. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and how long? Does Jesus change when we change? Does Jesus get upset when we miss it? Does he stop loving us when we mess up? No, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then I like this verse over in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Again, speaking of the Lord, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. I do not change. People change. People make mistakes. People don't always keep their word. They don't always tell the truth. But Jesus cannot change. What he has spoken to us will forever be settled in heaven. He is the Lord that does not change. One of the reasons he does not change is because he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to go to any self-improvement classes. He doesn't need to go to any anger management groups. You you might think, man, I've made the Lord mad. I know he's angry with me. He's going to have to go to a class and take some lessons on how not to be angry. No, he doesn't change because he doesn't need to change. He's perfect. He was a spotless, sinless son of man. He doesn't need to change. Some people think that they don't need to change. Some people think everybody else is the problem. They have this attitude. Well, I have already arrived. Lots of times when people think they've already arrived, guess what? They haven't even left yet. No. Every one of us need to grow. Every one of us need to develop. We need to change, but not the Lord. I am the Lord. I change not. I am the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. What else is promised us in the word that is forever? How about the word? Psalms 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your what? Your word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. We don't have to be concerned about the word not standing true. We don't have to be concerned about the word being outdated. We don't have to update the word of God. We don't have to make excuses for the word of God. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. 
And we don't have to put our own interpretation on it. Some people try to make all these excuses of why the word of God is not working in their life. The word of God will work if we put it to work. If we act upon it, it will produce results. The Bible says the word of God will not return void. The word is forever settled in heaven. The problem is the word is not forever settled in many people's hearts. If it's not settled in our hearts, it's not going to produce the results that we want it to produce. But we need to establish it. If the word says it, I believe it. And that settles it for me. It's settled in heaven. So it's settled in my heart. And I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to act upon it. And then it even verse 90, it says your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. There it is again. The earth's going to abide as long as it needs to abide. So don't be concerned about earthquake taking you out. But, you know, we might not be able to stop earthquakes from happening in the earth. But we certainly, like, like Pastor said this morning, we need to be pleading the blood. We need to be living in the 91st Psalm and saying, it's not going to come nigh me. It's not going to take any of my family out or my property in the name of Jesus. That's what we ought to be establishing because... The word promises that the word is forever settled in my heart because it has been established in heaven over in the New Testament in Mark chapter 13, verse 31. Again, things that are temporary. This earth is temporary. This even says heaven and earth will pass away but what's not going to pass away what is forever but my words will by no means pass away if you find it in the scripture you can bank on it you can say that's mine I have it now he said he would meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory that's the word I'm taking it and I'm putting it in my heart I'm receiving it. That was written for me. He said that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means I have right standing with him. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm taking that. And when the enemy comes and tries to beat you up with your past failures and your past mistakes, take the word. The word of God is our weapon. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and put those lies of the enemy on the run. Resist the devil, resist those lies and they won't get a stronghold in your thinking, but you can't resist it in your own might and in your own ability. You have to resist it with the word of God. What did Jesus do when Satan came and tempted him? He didn't get up and say, I'm the son of God. You have no right to tempt me. No, he said to the devil, it is written. 
He was given us a pattern for our lives, for us to live in victory, for us to deal with the lies and the temptations of the devil. He was outlining it by what he did, by his actions. He declared it. It is written. Everybody right now, lift up one hand to the Lord and just say that with me. It is written. Then say this. Thy word is forever settled in heaven. And it's settled in my heart. Amen. The word doesn't change. But one wonderful thing that happens when we begin to get the word in our hearts, look into the word of God, it does change us. The word changes us into who we need to be more and more into the image of him. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18 in the amplified. This may not be new revelation to many of you sitting here, but you know what we're doing? We're watering, watering these truths. I believe it was a word straight from heaven. It was a few weeks ago when we were praying. It just went off on the inside of me. Forever. Forever. Forever is a long, long time. Forever is eternity. And we need to realize what is forever and what is temporary. Sickness and disease is temporary. The attacks of the enemy are temporary. Depression is temporary. A loss of job is temporary. Perhaps even a loss of a home, it's temporary. Like Pastor Mark says, they build new homes every day. We need to get that reality in our hearts of what is temporary and what is eternal. What is forever? Because the things that are forever are established. And you can take those things that are temporary, put them up against those things that are forever. And every single time, those things that are temporary will have to give way to the things that are forever. Hallelujah. Forever. His word is settled. We take these things, even that we see in our own lives that are temporary, that need to change. And we put them up against the unchanging word. This verse here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And of all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue. Everybody say continue. It's not a one-time glance. We continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. I want to stop right there. What is it telling us is the mirror that we are beholding in? The word of God is the mirror that we look into. And when we look into this mirror at In a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his own image in ever increasing splendor. And from one degree of glory unto another. Hallelujah. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The word, this wonderful, beautiful word is where we see our reflection 
It's our mirror. It points out where we need to make adjustments. Now I'm looking at everybody in here. It looks like everybody probably combed their hair. Let me see. The pastor, yeah. So that means before you came to church, you looked into a mirror. Maybe you laid down like we do on Sunday afternoon and took a nice long snooze. And I know a lot of times when I get up from my nap, I got makeup on this side and wrinkles from the, you know, you don't look so good. But when I look in the mirror, I don't get mad at the mirror. I don't go, mirror, mirror on the wall. I can't believe you're making me look like that. Mirror, how dare you have my hair messed up? Mirror on the wall. Why do I have this smudge on my face? You dumb mirror. No, it's not the mirror's fault. All the mirror is doing is showing us where we need to make an adjustment. All the mirror does is points out, yeah, you better comb your hair. You better fix that. You better fix that. And that's why the Bible says, this is our mirror. And when we look into this mirror, we don't get mad at the mirror. We don't say, mirror of the word of God. I can't believe you're telling me I have to forgive. Mirror, I cannot believe it that you are telling me I have to walk in love. I'm not going to look in this mirror anymore. I don't like that mirror. No, there's nothing wrong with the mirror. The mirror is just showing us where we need to make this adjustment. And it's why. Why is it showing us that we need to make these adjustments so that we can be changed? Glory to glory to glory. Pastor Tom praying over the offering. He said, we're going to go higher and higher and higher. Is that your desire? Does anybody in here want to be more like Jesus? Does anyone in here next year at this time want to say, Whoo, I grew spiritually last year. I'm not at the same place that I used to be. If that's our heart's desire, then guess what? We're going to have to look in the mirror. That's right. And we're going to have to be willing to change what the mirror is pointing out to us. Amen. It will cause us to grow, but will also be so awesome. It's awesome when you get rid of things that have held you back for years. It's just a releasing, wonderful feeling to be able to say, I'm not going to be resentful about that anymore. I'm not going to take notice about that anymore. It's freeing to be who we are supposed to be in Jesus. Amen. It's a wonderful life to be able to look into the mirror and say, wow, woo, I'm a new creation. Glory to God. And to like what you see in the mirror because you're being obedient and you're not conforming to the things of this world, but you're letting yourself be transformed into his image. And you know what? When you begin to be transformed into his image, then you know what your life becomes? Your life becomes a mirror and people look at you And they see Jesus. He wants us to be a reflection of him. And that happens when we begin to put 
this word that never changes and is forever settled into our heart. Our attitude ought to be, if I can change, you can change. We can all change. Amen. Amen. And look like what Jesus wants us to look like. I know. I'm quoting him for you. (laughs) Just to see if you're awake. Is everybody in here still awake? Is anybody else in here hot except me? Anybody else hot? It's a little warm. Okay. (laughs) What else? Is is he doing bad stuff up there? You turned off the air? You are making me hot. Pastor Tom's not preaching. (laughs) And Pastor Tom is not a woman in his 50s. Anyway. (laughs) When ain't some air in this place. Anyway. (laughs) But the word is still true. And this is perfect timing because my next point that is forever is love. (laughs) Yes, God loves us with an everlasting love. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. I don't think I gave you guys that verse up there, but you can find it. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. This is how God loves us. (laughs) <laughs> I'll read, let me read it to you all the Amplified. The Lord appeared fr- uh, from of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you. With what kind of a love? What kind of a love? An everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. God loves us unconditionally. His love is forever. His love is everlasting. He's already demonstrated the biggest act of love that anyone ever could. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have ever lasting life. That is love in action. That is love that is forever established. There's not anything that we can do that will separate us from the love of God. The apostle Paul said, he listed all these things, shall peril, shall distress, shall all of this stuff be able to separate me from the love of God. And the answer is no, there's no pit too deep. There's no hole so dark that the love of God won't shine down in and lift people up. I love that old hymn. Love lifted me. That's what love does. That's what this everlasting love of our father will do when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. When you know that you are loved by the king of kings and the Lord of lords, it ought to lift your spirit up no matter what man has done to you, no matter how forsaken you may feel when you know that you are loved by your father. 
with an everlasting love. It ought to lift you up. It ought to bring encouragement into your life. It ought to let you know, though man may forsake me, though I might be alone, yet I am not alone. Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. My grip on you will not slip. I love you with an everlasting love. And with an unconditional love, the love of God in our hearts will never fail. His love for us will never fail. And we need to meditate upon how much he loves us. And then we need to get it on the inside of us. That agape love is in me. Natural human love doesn't often, it does not last forever. I hear that they've even changed some marriage vows. People don't want to say, I'm going to love you till death do us part. It's basically, I'm going to love you until you do something that upsets me. Or I'm going to love you until something better comes along. No. But that is the attitude of a lot of people in the world. I'm going to love you just until you stop bringing me pleasure or I'm going to love you just until oh man until you start bugging me and irritating me forget it when we're no longer compatible what does that mean anyway a lot of people go to divorce court and they say uncompatible we're not compatible well hello are there really any two people on this earth that are compatible it's I mean usually opposites attract And so you marry somebody that's completely different than you. You're really neat. And they're a slob. I'm not calling names. (laughs) You're organized and they don't like any organization. No rules. No, you know, everything's spontaneous. And if you let it, you could say, you irritate me. I don't think I love you anymore. That's what natural human love says. We're not compatible. Guess what? Everybody has to work on their relationship. Everybody has to work on their relationship. Whether it's husband and wife, parents and kids, whether it's friends, whatever it is. We all have relationships in our life and they all take work. That's why you ought to be selective about how many friends you have because it's work to keep up with all these friends. I've got like 500 friends on Facebook and I don't even know who half of them are. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? I'm glad you're just my Facebook friend because some of this stuff you're posting, you got issues. Anyway, no, we will go there. Never mind. (laughs) But it takes work to be in any kind of relationship. And that's why God says that he has given us the love of God on the inside of us. And I am thankful for first Corinthians chapter 13, four through eight. We got a little bit of time. Let's turn over there. I thought I had a short word, but you know what? I never do. The Holy ghost always multiplies. (laughs) First Corinthians chapter 13. Now that I'm cooler, I can go longer. Maybe he wanted it hot, so I'd go short. <laughs> no. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. This is what's on the inside of us. God loves us forever, and this is the kind of love that he has given us. We'll just read these. 
because we're not going to expound, but in the Amplified, love endures long. Love is patient and is kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Woo! Right there you could say, well, 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 well. I know some of these already kind of slap you in the face when you read them. But then the encouraging thing is love, God's love in us. Okay, I don't have to do this in my own natural human love. I don't have to do this out of my flesh. It's God's love in me. That's not going to be rude. It's God's love in me that does not insist on its own rights or its own way. I was talking about two people getting married and not being compatible. And I will, true confessions, I pick on pastor a lot. But I had a lot of issues myself. And one of them was this. I always want to be right. Because, you know, about 99.9% of the time, I am. (laughs) I also had a little bit of issue with spiritual pride, which is huge. In the eyes of God. He doesn't like that. He resists the proud. Again, you might think that you're something on a stick. and Watch out. The devil will come along and make toothpicks out of that stick. Don't open the door through being spiritual pride. Through spiritual pride and say, who me? I don't have any issues. I don't have any work areas. I was raised in the church. I had to deal with that. And I'm sure some of you may, may, maybe... Just maybe God's love in us. It doesn't insist on its own rights or its own ways. It's not self-seeking. Oh, not touchy. Now I know there's not one woman in here that's ever been touchy, right? Not a one. Hmm. Okay. Not fretful or resentful. Oh, this is huge. Takes no account of the evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Some people say, I hate working with numbers. I just am not the accountant. But yet, they know everything that anybody ever did wrong to them in the last 25 years. That's the kind of account we don't want to take account of. Don't be that kind of an accountant. Where you take it, you got a little list. Okay, they said that. I'm never going to speak to them again. They did that. Check, they're deleted out of my life. That's taking account of a suffered wrong. I'm defriending you on Facebook. No, that's taking account. (laughs) It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. This is what I want you to see right here. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. That sounds like forever. Forever. God loves us with an everlasting love. And that same love with which he loved us, he put on the inside of us. The love of God, where is it, has been shed abroad in our hearts 
by the Holy Ghost. It's not in your head and it's not in your flesh. That's why you'll fail every single time. That's why you will become resentful and touchy and fretful and take account of all of these wrongs. If you're trying to love somebody out of your flesh. But the love of God on the inside of us never fails. It will forever conquer any kind of disagreements. The love of God on the inside of us will settle any kind of incompatibility issues. Let the love on the inside show up on the outside. Amen? The agape kind of love never fails. Then just a couple more here. What else is forever? We got to talk about this one. We all love it. Mercy. (laughs) Anyone ever needed some mercy? I'm so thankful for the mercy of God. One of the things I admire about Pastor Nancy, she has a huge mercy gift. And it's contagious if you're around her. And I hear her say this all the time. Somebody might do something. And you know, people, some of you people do some flaky things. I'll just tell you right now. Some of the sheep can be a little strange. But no. <laughs> but you know what she always says? I've learned this from you. I'm going to sow mercy because I need mercy. She sows it. She just like, okay. I mean, people might say ugly things. And she'll say, I'm sowing mercy because I want to reap mercy. That's a scriptural thing to do. Did you know that God is merciful toward all of us? Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Thank God he's merciful. If he wasn't merciful... I know myself, some of the things I've done, I could be a crispy critter because I don't always walk in love. I don't always do the things I'm supposed to do. I'm not always the kindest person to live with. But God is merciful. And so he doesn't consume me because of his mercy. And what else? Because he's got great compassion. Thank God for his mercy and his compassion. It endures forever. And if his mercy endures forever toward us, we ought to be merciful toward one another. We ought to let that compassion on the inside of us flow to other people. The psalmist David, he had such a revelation of God's mercy. And for sake of time, we won't read all of these scriptures. You can look over in Psalms 136 and there's like 20 some verses there. 26 verses and every single one of them ends with for the praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And he starts recounting all of these things that God has done in his life and all of the victories that God wrought in the children of Israel. He talks about the Red Sea was being split because praise the Lord, his mercy endureth forever. It just goes on and on and on. And then in Psalms 107, I like this one, verse one, he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever 
And then the very next verse, he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. David was rehearsing the fact that because of God's mercy, his enemies did not triumph over him. Did you know that you can throw yourself over on the mercy of God when attacks are coming this way and attacks are coming from here? You can say, okay, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And his mercy is going to see me through. The hand of the enemy will not triumph over me because God is merciful to me. I believe that David got this revelation just recounting all the victories that God wrought in the lives of the children of Israel. One of my favorite battle stories is over in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Again, we'll just recount it. We won't go through all of it. But this is when King Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel, they were surrounded on every side. They didn't know what to do, but they sought the Lord. He did everything right. It says, he said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And then he called a prayer meeting. They all got together and they prayed and the spirit of God came upon one of the young men and said, the battle, you said, you don't need to fight. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The battle is not yours. And then further down in the chapter, he gave him the battle plan. And the battle plan was to send out the praisers. And what did he tell him to say? This came right from the Spirit of God. Send out the praisers. It's in verse 21, if you want to write that down, of Second Chronicles 20. And he said, this is what they are to say. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Let's practice that. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Let's say that three times together. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And as they began to do that, then we know exactly what happened. The Lord set ambushments and the the enemy was wiped out. Hallelujah. Largely because they got a revelation of the mercy of God. When your back is up against the wall and it doesn't seem like there's any way out. There's an attack on the left and an attack on the right. And it feels like there's even something above you. Just look up and say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And it is of the, because of the Lord's mercies, I am not Consumed. I'm not going to talk the problem. I'm going to praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. I'm going to do what the Bible said. We just read. I'm going to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord my God. I'm going to be thankful that he is 
forever. Hallelujah. When you're tempted to be afraid and worried and concerned about all the stuff that's happening in the world and perhaps going on in your life. I just want to leave you with this thought. I am safe on the rock that does not Row. I am upheld by those everlasting arms. Hallelujah. My father loves me. His name is forever. His word is forever. His love for me is forever. His mercy towards me endures forever. Hallelujah. Our God is a forever God. Hallelujah. Let's all stand and begin to bless his holy name. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, for your word is so good. Your promises are true. Lord, we will.